0: And uh, so let's open our Bibles up there. And I'm excited to preach this message to you this morning. Uh, the Lord just uh, overwhelmed my heart with the need for this truth uh, today. And uh, we'll jump back to our series in Genesis uh, a little while later. We're going to be going into a, a little Christmas series uh, after the, the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, and then we'll jump back into Genesis here in the not too distant future. But as we celebrate this season of Thanksgiving, it's so easy during this season especially, to be reminded of the reasons we have, to be grateful. And the fact of the matter is, all of us have been blessed by God, and uh, I think we can also say all of us have been blessed more by the Lord than what uh, we could comprehend or deserve. And uh, that is true even in a year like 2020, Uh, just as true as it is in any other year of life. Uh, We have a good God, and he's been good to us. And there are a lot of reasons we have to be thankful to him and to bless his name. And one of the passages of scripture that I think most beautifully demonstrates and communicates to us the reasons we have to be grateful to the Lord is Psalm 103. We read it just a moment ago. Uh, this was a psalm, the Bible tells us at the heading of Psalm 103 that it's a psalm of David. So David, a man who was the sweet psalmist of Israel, a man who knew how to praise the Lord, a man who knew how to bless the Lord, he is the one who the Lord used to pen these words, to express his Thanksgiving and his praise to the Lord. And, uh, you know, I tried to study a little bit of the history of this psalm, and there's really no clear indication of exactly when this psalm was written. But uh, Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he thought that we should attribute this psalm to David's later years of life, when he had a higher sense of the preciousness of pardon because of a keener sense of his sin than in his younger days. And he went on to say that his clear sense of the frailty of life indicates that he wrote this in his weaker years, uh, as also does the fullness of the praise and gratitude that he expressed. And so Spurgeon had some good insight on when this psalm was likely written by David, probably when he was a little bit older and had a little bit more understanding of just how good God had been to him. And uh, you know, if you walk with the Lord throughout your life, it's amazing how much sweeter God gets the older you get. This how much sweeter. Now this year I turned, I think, 20, 22 years old in the Lord. Um, you say, well, you're 22 years old also? No. Um, but I think I it, was no, 21 years old in the Lord. And after 21 years of growing and walking with the Lord, I can say uh, he grows sweeter to me every year. And we see that sweetness of a of a long-term relationship with the Lord expressed in this psalm. And so this psalm, it really communicates the concept of gratitude in a beautiful way. The preacher G. Campbell Morgan said that it is perhaps the most perfect song of pure praise to be found in the Bible. And through the centuries, it has been sung by glad hearts, and today is as fresh and as beautiful as ever. And the psalm begins, as we read a moment ago, in verse number one. And it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. This psalmist David, who realized he had been so blessed by the Lord, he now expresses his heartfelt, deep desire to bless the Lord himself. And as we go through this psalm, um, one of the and as I studied through this psalm, the thing that the Lord really captivated my heart about in this psalm was the concept of blessing the Lord. What does it mean to bless the Lord? We sing it all the time. Um, Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Um, Blessed be your name. We sing all these songs. Blessing the Lord. But what does it mean to bless the Lord? How are we supposed to bless the Lord? That's what I want us to think about for a few minutes this morning. Let's pray and ask God to speak to our hearts this morning. Father, we come before you. We ask for your anointing on our time together here. We ask for your spirit, Lord, to well up and speak to our hearts and uh, open our understanding to the scriptures. And not just uh, uh, that our minds may understand, but that our hearts may respond to the truth of your word and faith. And I pray, God, you'd minister to the deep needs of our heart uh, as only you can and feed our souls with your truth. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, on some level, I believe that we all understand what it means to be blessed by the Lord. I think that's an easy thing for all of us to comprehend. Uh, When God blesses you, for example, it's when you're helped by God. It's when you're strengthened by God. It's when God does something to build you up or to make you better off than you were before. And so we understand that God's blessing involves God's grace. God giving us something that we don't have, we don't deserve. That's the blessing of God. I think we have a pretty good understanding about what it means when God blesses us. But what does it mean then for us to bless God? Because if if, us bless, if God blessing us is when He helps us, when He strengthens us, when He makes us better off than we were before, the natural thought process would be to think that that's what happens when we bless God. But that's not. That cannot be the case. I can't help God. (laughs) I can't strengthen God. I can't make God better off than he was before. That's not something I can do. So that cannot be what it means for me to bless God. So what does it mean to bless the Lord? Well, one person suggests that blessing God is an expression of praiseful thankfulness. Another person suggested that blessing God is an exclamation of gratitude and admiration to the Lord. I think that's what blessing the Lord is. And it should really come as no surprise to us that this is what blessing the Lord is. When you think about it, God is the only person in all of the universe who dwells in an absolutely and ultimate state of blessedness. There's no one more blessed than God. Um, the Bible goes so far as to tell us in James chapter 1 verse 17 that every good gift. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from God, from the Father of lights. That's where every good thing comes from. That's why we sing the old uh, Protestant hymn, uh, uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He's the God from whom all blessings flow. That's who God is. He is the ultimately blessed one. You cannot make him any more blessed than he already is. And therefore, all blessing, every good thing that happens in this world, every good thing that happens in your life, it comes from the Lord. Because he is in that exalted place of blessedness. And so the only way that we can bless the Lord then is by recognizing His blessedness. That's what it means to bless the Lord. Let me put it another way for you. To bless the Lord means that you turn to the Lord and you acknowledge, God, you are the blessed one. And I am going to bless you for all the blessings that you have given to me in my life. That's what it means to bless the Lord. And so blessing the Lord has nothing to do with us trying to make God better off because we can't do that. But it has everything to do with us recognizing that he is the blessed one and he has blessed us. It's just an expression of admiration to the Lord and gratitude for who God is and what he has done for us. And so here's a critical statement. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. As the Lord then blesses us with his grace, we bless the Lord with our gratitude. I'll say it again. The Lord blesses us with his grace, and we, in response, bless the Lord with our gratitude. All right? Hey, in other words, as God pours out his blessings on our life, it is in recognition of what God is doing that leads our hearts to bless his name, to show our gratitude to his name. As we see the manifestation of God's grace in our life, it naturally leads our heart to want to express gratitude to Him. And this is how God designed this whole thing to be. And I want you to notice how we see this again in our text. In verse number one, the Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not All of his benefits. The psalmist here, he begins by expressing a deep personal desire from the deepest part of his being, from his soul. He wanted to bless the Lord. Um, And he says two times, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Know how significant it is we understand what the soul is talking about. You understand, that word soul, it comes from a Hebrew word that literally speaks about the innermost part of our being. It's referring to your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that's what he wanted to worship the Lord with. That's what he wanted to bless the Lord with. It wasn't just a religious uh, acclamation here. This was a heartfelt, deep desire, a a desire that came from his soul. Lord, with all of my mind, I want to dwell on you and and show gratitude to you. And with my will, I desire to show you how grateful I am to you. And with all of my emotions, with all of my being, this isn't just a, a religious statement, God. I really desire to lift you up and to bless you for being such a blessing to me in my life. That's what it means to bless the Lord. And let's be honest, very few people understand the idea of worshiping God with all of your soul. Too many of us, we strive to worship God with all of our talent. Or we strive to worship God out of a sense of duty. Well, I go to church and I listen to the singing. (laughs) I might even mumble a couple words. You might even sing. Now, for some of you, we might not call it singing, but, you know, you're trying. That's good. Okay? But so many of us, when it comes to our worship, when it comes to this idea of blessing the Lord, we don't don't truly understand. You put all your mind into it? Is your will in it? Or is your your mind somewhere a thousand miles off? We're singing, bless the Lord, O my soul. And you're thinking, I wonder if the Broncos are winning that game right now. (laughs) Often we let our mind wander. You know what I mean? Blessing the Lord with all of your soul, it it carries significance with it. God's told us what he desires from us. He told us, and Jesus said in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30, he said, I want you to love me with all of your heart and all of your soul, With all of your mind, and with all of your strength, with everything that is within you. And that's what the psalmist said in verse number 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. That's what it means to bless the Lord. And so with all that was within Him, the psalmist desired to bless the Lord. I wonder if it could be said of your worship. You're blessing the Lord for His blessings He's poured out on your life Could it be said of your worship that you do it with all that you've got? With all that is within you. I heard somebody say one time, you might be a Baptist if you clapped in church and you felt guilty about it for a week. Let's be honest, we're a Baptist church. Some of us grew up in Baptist churches. Some of you didn't. Some of you don't struggle with this as much. You don't mind to lift a hand in worship. You don't mind to lift your heart in worship. You don't mind to express yourself in praise to the Lord. But boy, some of us. it's like the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel Okay, all of us have different personalities I understand that some of us are more expressive than others some of us are more quiet by nature there's nothing wrong with that blessing the Lord has nothing to do with putting on a show nothing to do with that. It has to do with your mind, your will, and your emotions expressing your gratefulness to the Lord, your praise to the Lord for the things he's done for you. Now I want you to notice in these first two verses, um, there are two particular reasons that the psalmist listed for why he had uh, reason to bless the Lord. And I'll just give both of them to you here. The first one is he blessed the Lord for who he is. And the second one is he blessed the Lord for what he has done. He blessed him for who he is, and he blessed him for what he has done. Now I want us to look at the first of those. In verse number one, we see this demonstrated when he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Read the last part of the verse. It says, Bless his holy name. He was wanting to bless the Lord for who he is, to bless his holy name. Now that word holy in the scriptures, in the Hebrew particular, is unique. It comes from the Hebrew word kadesh. And it literally means to set apart or to dedicate as sacred. And there can be no doubt about the fact that God is set apart. The God that we serve is a God who is unique. He is matchless. He is holy. There's no one like Him. No, We wouldn't worship Him if there was anyone like Him. That's why He's God, because He's unique. He's holy. And the psalmist said, I want to bless you. And I, the reason I want to bless you is not necessarily even because of anything you've done for me yet. Just because of who you are, I want to bless your name. By the way, the the highest ranking angels in heaven, the cherubim, they forever sit around the throne of God crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. They recognize the uniqueness of God. And we would look at an angel and say, Wow, that's a spectacular being. The angels look at God and say, Wow, there's no one like you. That's God. For 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 2, the Bible says, There's none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. And one of the great reasons we, we can bless the Lord today is simply because of who he is. A great preacher from last, yesteryear, I don't think there's a preacher or a person who has done a better job of trying to express the holiness and the matchlessness of God than S.M. Lockridge. I'm going to read to you a rather lengthy portion of a sermon he preached about his king. He said, The Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder, do you know him? David said, David said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of the shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of the world. He's God's Son. He's a sinner's Savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of Himself. He's awesome. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the ages. He's the superlative of everything good you could choose to call him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried, he sympathizes and he saves he strengthens and he sustains he guards and he guides he heals the sick he cleanses lepers he forgives sinners he discharges debtors he delivers captives he defends the feeble he blesses the young he serves the unfortunate he regards the aged he rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek I wonder if you know him he's my king he's the key to knowledge he's the wellspring to wisdom he's the doorway of deliverance he's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteousness. His yoke is easy, and His burden is light. I wish I could describe Him to you, but He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get, out, get Him out of your mind, and you can't get Him off of your hand. You can't live, uh, you can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. His is the kingdom and the power and glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. And when you get through with all the evers, amen and amen. (laughs) I love his description. That's my king. I'm telling you, we have an unlimited amount of reasons to worship God for who he is. The psalmist says, I'm going to worship your holy name. You're unlike anyone else. But not only did he say, I'm going to bless you for who you are. He goes on in verse 2 and says, I'm going to bless you for what you have done. I want you to see this in verse number 2. If you're still with me, say amen. Amen. The Bible says in verse number two, the psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and read the last part of the verse with me, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. That word benefits there is a word that speaks of God's rewards or God's dealings among the children of men. That's what it's talking about. And you know, all of our life, all of our lives are filled with the evidences Of the goodness of God, of the benefits, of the rewards, the the kind dealings that God has done on our behalf. Truth be told, even those who don't know the Lord experience his goodness on a daily basis. Even those who reject his existence experience his goodness on a daily basis. Psalm 145 verse 9 says, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all of his works. Jesus told us in Matthew 5 and verse 45 that the Lord makes it to rain on the just and the unjust, and he sends rain on everybody. He's good to everybody. The Lord is good to all. Oh, reminds me of the story I heard about a, 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 a Christian lady. She was getting up in years and uh, she, she had been widowed and every morning she'd come out on her porch and she'd spend time with the Lord reading her Bible and praying. And she had an atheist who lived next door to her. Well, he didn't appreciate her coming out and spending her, her what was supposed to be private time out on her front porch for all the world to see. And he'd often come over there and say, and That God you pray to, he isn't real. You know that, Right? And he was dead set On trying to prove to her that her God wasn't real. And every morning she'd come out and pray. And every morning he'd get frustrated by her coming out to pray on her front porch. Well, one morning she came out to pray and the atheist heard her praying. And he realized she was praying and asking God to give her some groceries. She didn't have any groceries. And she didn't have any money to get groceries. And so this took place and the atheist got a great idea. He said, I can can prove to her her God isn't real now. And so he went and he jumped in his car and he went down to the store. And he bought her a whole bunch of groceries. And he came back to her house. He put all all the bags of those groceries out on her porch. And he rang her doorbell. And then he went and jumped behind one of the bushes just to see what she was going to do. And she walks out of the front door. And she looks at all those groceries. And she starts dancing. And she starts praising. And she said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for answering my prayer. And as he heard her say that, he jumps out from behind the bush. And he points his finger at her. And he says, there, I got you. God didn't give you those groceries. I got those groceries. Well, then she got even more excited, and she started to run, and she started to carry on, and she started to praise God anymore. And when he finally got her calmed down, he said, what in the world are you so excited about? I just told you God didn't buy those for you. I bought those for you. And she said, listen, buddy, God not only answered my prayer and gave me groceries, but he made the devil go buy them for me. If you look in your life far enough, you'd realize very quickly, God has blessed you. And all through our life, we have the evidences of his blessing. He's good to even those who don't don't even claim his name. And uh, there's so much we could say about this, but look at verse number two. One word in particular. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget. Forget not. The psalmist, as he's talking about the benefits of God, He said, don't forget. That phrase, forget not, it comes from a Hebrew word that literally indicates to us, don't ignore it. Don't cease to care about it. And how easy it is for us to take for granted the blessings of God. The other day I was over here praying, and it was a couple weeks ago, I think, during men's prayer. As we were kneeling there praying, the Lord just began to overwhelm me with the fact that I was talking to the God of creation. I was talking to the, the sovereign of the universe. I was talking to the king of kings, the one who the whole world is going to bow a knee before and honor and worship. That's who I was talking to. And I had entered into that time of prayer without even a thought about it. Of who I was getting ready to go before. It didn't overwhelm me until I was sitting there praying and I realized how much of a blessing it is that a sinner like me can come before God, a holy God, a matchless God, without hesitation or fear. I just walked in as if I was supposed to be there. And I have, that's been made possible because of Jesus and what he's done for me. I'm telling you, we lose sight of just the simplest blessings. The psalmist said, don't forget all he's done for you. Don't forget all of his benefits. God doesn't want us to ignore what he's done. He doesn't want us to ignore what he's doing for us in our lives. But his desire is that his continued blessings poured out on our lives would result in us turning to bless his name. That is what his desire for us is. And I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time you truly blessed the Lord? When was the last time you blessed the Lord for who he is? When was the last time you blessed the Lord for what he's done in your life? Or what he's doing in your life? God desires, he pours out his blessings on our life. He pours out his blessings of grace on our life so that we would respond in blessing him with gratitude. When last did you do that? As the psalmist goes on here in the scripture next, as he strives to bless the Lord, he proceeded to list what we'll put into five basic categories of blessings. And listen, we could preach a long series of messages about all of these things, but we're just going to hit them on the surface here this morning. Hopefully a couple of them will bless you as we go through them. But let me give you these. Starting in verse number three, he first of all began to bless the Lord for his personal blessings. Verses 3 through 5, for his personal blessings. Look at verse number 3 with me. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says, He forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, he goes through and begins to bless the Lord for the blessings he's been given from the Lord. He's talking about personal blessings here. God, you're the God who has forgiven me. I'm going to bless you. The Bible says in Psalm 32 and verse number 1, blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. And those of us who've been forgiven by the Lord, I think we understand how blessed of a thing that is. He said, you're the God who forgives. And he goes on and he says, not only that, you're the God who heals. And I'm going to tell you something, God is still in the healing business today. I was talking on the phone yesterday to Steve Gregg. And not too long ago, about three years ago now, Steve Gregg and Rhonda, both he and his wife, came down with cancer at the same time. And the prognosis was not good. But we began to pray as a church. I'm going to tell you something. God healed them. God healed them. I've seen him do it time and time again. God is still the God who heals. He says, he's the one who heals of all thy diseases. God's a God who redeems. That word redeem, it means to buy back or to ransom someone. And he said, you've redeemed my life from destruction. I'm thankful that there, and I bless the Lord's name this morning because he is a God who has saved me from the destruction I deserved. He to say he has saved me from the penalty of hell for all of eternity. Oh, but not just that. There's much more things that I deserve in this lifetime for the, the the silly and wicked things that I have done, and yet the Lord has ransomed me. I'm thankful that He is a redeemer. He goes on and says, "You've crowned my life with loving kindness and, and tender mercies." I love that Hebrew word that's used for crowneth. It literally means to surround around the head, and gives the connotation of surrounding. And what the Bible's saying, "You've crowned my life. You've surrounded my life." with your goodness and your mercy. He looked at his life and said, God, you've been so good. You've been so merciful. That's what God has been for us. That's another reason he gives. God, just personally, you blessed me. And I bless your name because you've surrounded me with your goodness and your mercy. He continues to bless the Lord, and he blesses the Lord because God has satisfied him. He said, you've satisfied my mouth with good things. That word satisfied it. It means to be filled and to be fulfilled, all right? There's been times I've been filled, but I haven't been fulfilled. There's been other times I've been filled and I've been miserable. That's that's usually what happens around Thanksgiving time for me, okay? It was all good, but it was too much of goodness, all right? And uh, I have a tendency to maybe overeat a little bit on uh, Thanksgiving Day because there's so much good stuff. But the idea idea expressed here is, God, I'm going to bless your name because you've satisfied my life with good. And you're the one who brings satisfaction to my life. It's not my stuff. It's not my job. It's not any of these things. It's you. You're good. You've satisfied my life. And he blesses his name for it. And he blesses his name for his renewing work as well. He says, so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Renewed It means to make anew. And boy, I think if you've been saved for very long, you've experienced the renewing work of God. How God has transformed your life, changed your life, made it something new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Old things have become new. Even those of us have been saved for a while. We walked away from the Lord for a little bit. We, we experience his renewing hand when we turn back to him. Thank God. Bless your name. Because you're a renewing God. And so he praises the Lord for his personal blessings. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. This list could go on and on and on and on and on. For the personal blessings. The psalmist first blesses the Lord for his personal blessings. Let me write this down second. Secondly, he he blesses the Lord for his providential care. Not just his personal blessings, but for his providential care. Look at verse number 6 with me. The Bible says, the psalmist saying, The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. And here the psalmist blesses the Lord... For the blessing of his care over all of his creation. He begins to notice that God is a God who executes righteousness and judgment in the earth. That means that God acts on the behalf of all of those who were wronged, all of those who have been violated. He is the one that ultimately brings about what is right and what is just in this world. And that's an indeed blessing for us to know on a year like this, especially. Because when we look around and we see all the wrong that's happening in this world and all the injustice that's happening in this world, I'm glad we serve a God who has the habit of making things right that are wrong and bringing justice to unjust situations. That's the God that we serve today. And don't miss this. Hey, in these unprecedented times. Some of you get that later. This is a good thing for us to know. I saw a guy, he shared this on social media, talking about the current ballot issue that's going on. And it seemed like we have problems just counting ballots here. And so he put it to a hymn. He said, Count your ballots, count them one by one. Count your ballots now, just get it done. Count your ballots, each and every one. Count your many ballots so we know who won. (laughs) I tell you, I have no clue. There seems to be corruption on all sides. I look at the things that are happening in this world, and I think, how in the world is this going to get worked out? I bless the Lord because he's a God, hey, who executes his righteousness and judgment for the oppressed. Somebody's wrong, and somebody's going to be made right, and it's God's prerogative to do it. And he is well able to do it, too. I bless the Lord for that fact right there, for his providential care. Bless the Lord for his personal blessings. Here's a third thing to bless the Lord for. Bless the Lord for his powerful revelation, his powerful revelation. Look at verse number seven. If you're with me this morning, say amen. The Bible says, he made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. Now, the psalmist begins to bless the Lord here for how he's revealed himself to the world. And he talks about how he made known something here. He made himself known. He revealed himself two ways. Uh, he, he made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. Now, he's talking about how God revealed himself in that point of period and period of history. I'm a dispensationalist. I believe that God has made himself known in different ways through different periods of history and time. And and here in this period of history and time, God began to make himself known through Moses when he began to give give his word on Mount Sinai. And there, through Moses, God gave the, the law, the first five books of the Bible. But not only that, the Bible says that God also revealed himself through his works Not only through his word, but through his works. He made known himself through the acts he did for the children of Israel. You say, what did he do for Israel? Oh, I don't know. Ten plagues of Egypt. Crossing the Red Sea providing them food in the middle of the wilderness, giving them victory over their enemies. The list goes on and on and on and on of how God showed his mighty hand and his power through the people of Israel. And the people of Israel knew there was a Jehovah God. They saw his hand working on their behalf. Not only that, they saw his pillar of cloud in the day and the pillar of fire by night. Everywhere they went, they saw the visible presence of God resting on the tabernacle or leading them on their journey. And there were so many ways that God made made himself known to the people of Israel. And we think, wow, that's fantastic. Why doesn't God do something like that today? I'll tell you why God doesn't do something like that today, because the Bible tells us that God has revealed himself to us in a way that is so much better today. Now take your Bibles real quick and go to Hebrews chapter 1. I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. I want you to see how God has blessed us and how he's revealed himself to us today today. Hebrews chapter 1 and and verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says in Hebrews 1 and verse 1, God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his what? Son. By Jesus Christ. Christ, you listen to me. The Bible tells us that Jesus was the Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us in John one fourteen. And the fact of the matter is that through Jesus, now you and I can come to know God in a personal and an intimate way. They couldn't have; they didn't have that in the Old Testament. Nobody could approach the presence of God except for the high priest one time a year. But now you and I, without a second thought, without a moment's hesitation, can come and stand before the God of creation and get to know him on a personal level because of the finished work of Jesus Christ and friend when you come to God through faith in Jesus Christ you have free access to be able to come and stand before him 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 says that there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man and that is the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified of in due time Jesus himself told us I am the way the truth and the life no man comes unto the Father, but by me. And I'm telling you something. It's spectacular how God revealed himself to the people of Israel back in the days when David wrote this psalm. But it's even more spectacular how we get to know God in this day and time, in this day of, a, this, this day of grace. Oh, I'm thankful. You ought to be grateful. We can bless the Lord for the fact that he's given us access to himself. He's revealed himself to us. We didn't deserve that. He didn't have to let us know who he was. He didn't have to come save us. But he's done all of this and he's made himself known to us. And it's a reason once again we have to bless his name. Bless the Lord for his personal blessings on our life. Bless the Lord for his providential care over this world. Bless the Lord for his powerful revelation to us. But notice this fourth thing. Bless the Lord for his paternal mercy or his fatherly mercy. His paternal mercy. Now notice what the Bible says in verse number 8. I'm going to read a lengthy portion because it covers this whole area here. The Bible says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and blenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him." As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, read verse 13 out loud with me. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are his grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it and it's gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him, and His righteousness unto children's children. In so many wonderful ways it is expressed to us here the Father-like mercy of God to His people. Just think about it. He is compassionate. He's gracious. He's patient. He's good. And He's kind to us, even when we don't deserve it. He doesn't hold grudges against us. He treats us how we, uh, he doesn't treat us how we deserve to be treated. He doesn't get even with us, even though we deserve that. He loves us like a father. And by the way, this is one of the only instances in the Old Testament where the Bible tells us, that the Bible refers to our relationship to God like that of a father. And uh, it's interesting that is in there, but he says he, he treats us, he loves us like a father. He recognizes the frail, sinful stuff we're made of. And and even though we're so frail, God is ever faithful and showing his mercy to us. There's so many examples of his father-like paternal mercy that we see demonstrated in these verses here. And the psalmist strives to bless the Lord for this great mercy that he's shown in his life. So I studied this, this week. This thought overwhelmed me because all of these expressions of God's fatherlike mercy teach us something. See, in the Old Testament, the people of God were overwhelmed at the thought of God's mercy upon them. That is, that God had not given them what they deserved for their sin. They were overwhelmed by that because they look forward to a coming Messiah who is going to bring them salvation. On this side of the cross, what enamors and captures and captivates our thoughts is not so much God's mercy as it is His grace. We are overwhelmed by the fact that God has given us something in Jesus Christ that we don't deserve. We're overwhelmed by the grace of God. Because we don't look forward to a coming salvation, we look back at a salvation that has been paid for and freely given to us. And so the Old Testament, they, they were glorying in God's mercy. The New Testament, we glory in God's grace. And now, on this side of eternity, we don't look at God like he's a father. We look to God as our heavenly father. We get to call him Daddy. We get to call him Abba. They didn't get to do that in the Old Testament. We get to do that today. And I'm glad that God doesn't just treat me like a father. He is my father. It's so good for us. And so he blesses the Lord for his paternal mercy. I want you to see a fifth thing this morning. and We're almost done. Fifth, he says, bless the Lord for his preeminent power. And I'm going to tell you something. Verse 19 is a verse we need to hear today. Verse 19, let's read it out loud together, ready? The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. The psalmist here, he blesses the Lord for his sovereign reign over all this world. The Bible there says that he has prepared his throne in the heavens. That word prepared comes from the Hebrew word kun, which means that he has established it. He has planted, established his throne in the heaven. And as such, hey, right now, not some future day, right now, with his throne planted in the heavens, established in the heavens, he is reigning over all that is in this world. World. Now let me just very quickly give you a little glimpse of the sovereignty of God. I'm going to read to you some scripture here. The Bible teaches us that God's purposes are sovereign over man's plans. Psalm 33 verses 8 and 9. It says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Hey, there is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. You're not going to plan something that if God doesn't want it to happen, that it's going to take place. God is sovereign. His power, His purposes are sovereign over the plans of man. But not only that, God's counsel is sovereign over man's devisings. We've got people all over this country today sitting in back rooms trying to plan out how they're going to get away with this and how they're going to get away with that. Yet the Bible says in Psalm 33 and verse number, verse number 10, The Lord brings the counsel of the heathen to naught. And he makes the devices of the people of none effect. But the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart, to all generations. He is sovereign over, uh, his his, uh, uh, counsel is sovereign over man's devisings. But not only that, hey, I like this one. God, hey, his politics are sovereign over man's politicking. (laughs) That's a very good thing for us to know today. Daniel chapter 2 and verse number 21. It says, God changes the times and the seasons, and he removes kings, and he sets up kings. And you listen to me this morning, friend. I don't know who's going to be the one inaugurated into the White House on January 20th of 2021, but I can tell you exactly what I'm going to be doing at that point in time. I'm going to be blessing the Lord who is still sitting on the throne and is still preeminent in power over all the things that are happening in this world. No matter who's sitting in the White House, God's still on the throne. and We can bless his name for that. In fact, he's still in control. At the end of this psalm, there are a couple of verses. The psalmist has just given us all these reasons he had for blessing the Lord. And in light of all of these reasons, the psalmist finishes by challenging all of heaven and all of earth to bless the Lord. Notice it starting in verse number 20. He said, "Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, and do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of, the, of his word. Bless the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works and all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, oh my soul." The psalmist here as he's given all these reasons to bless the Lord. He started by looking up to the heavens, and he told the, the host of heaven, the host of angels, "Bless the Lord; he's worthy." And then as the Bible goes on, not only to look up, but then he looked down and he looked around him at the host of of the servants of God in this world. And he said, hey host, let's bless the Lord because he's worthy. And then the Bible says that he began to to look around him at all of the creation, all the works of God's hands. And he said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As Psalm 150 and verse 6 says, he looks up he looks down, he looks around, everything living, everything breathing. Let everything in this world bless the Lord and lift him up because he's been so good to us. But he didn't stop there. After he looks up, after he looks down, after he looks around him, the last thing he did was look in. And The last words he said in verse number 22, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, oh my soul soul. See, there is not a created thing in this world that doesn't have a reason to bless the Lord for the abundant blessings that He's poured out in our lives. But the only created thing in this universe that you can make bless the Lord is yourself. It's one thing to say, everybody needs to praise God. It's another thing for you to say, Oh my soul, bless the Lord. I tell you, it's not just during Thanksgiving week. This ought to be a a habit of praise throughout our life. But a great decision you can make this week is bless the Lord, oh my soul. As a psalmist thought about all the blessings God had poured out on his life, he understood, I can't, Make God better. I can't bless God like he blesses me, but I can bless God for him blessing me. I said to you at the beginning, as God blesses us with his grace, we respond by blessing him with our gratitude. And I wonder, with all the blessings that God has poured out on your life, will you find some time to allow those blessings to provoke you to bless the Lord today? this week. That's what he so desires from us. That's why he blesses us so we'll bring glory to him so that we'll bless his name. Would you recognize that today? And would you be willing to make the decision, bless the Lord, oh my soul.